0: You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children.
1: Welcome to episode twenty-one of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley. I'm a digital learning consultant with Grant Wood and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host Mindy Carney.
2: Hi, guys. Uh, we also we're not alone today. We have a special, very, very special guest today um, that we're pleased to welcome Josh Allen to the show. And Josh is a technology integration coach at Lewis Central here in Iowa. And um, is also the co-host of Dads in Ed podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at Dads in Ed. And the former president of the Nebraska Educational Technology Association. So welcome, Josh. We're happy to have you.
0: Thanks. I am excited to be on somebody else's podcast instead of my <laughs> own. This is fantastic. Do
1: we still get to call you Mr. President?
0: Oh, geez. Um, for the next couple months, it can be Mr. Past President. Oh. Mr. Past President. The official okay. title. Until April twentieth, I think.
2: We got it from here on out. Oh, that's what I'm going to call you.
0: Um, there was a lot of El Presidente at the beginning, oh. <laughs> which I have no idea why, because I have no <laughs> Latin American heritage at all. But um, I don't.
2: Know, but just, it fits you. It suits you very well.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's.
2: I think it's the beard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
1: I need to tell you a short story about the beard. You do. I- well, I I feel it's like a confession I have to come up with because every oh, time I oh every boy. time every time I meet a guy that has a beard, Josh uh. Allen is my yardstick, and, and I always think, well, that that's a pretty good beard, but it's not a Josh Allen beard, and, <laughs> and so you know I, that that's how I, I I judge manly manly beards. So. Wow,
2: that's how I judge my men too. Yeah, against Josh Allen. Yep. Uh huh.
0: He's oh, getting quite the uh, wow, resume we are here. Three minutes, less than three minutes in, and I have already completely derailed your podcast. It's good to know that I just don't derail my own.
2: Oh, shoot.
0: Dads Ed. com, by the way.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe we should start with some uh, follow up from, yeah, from let's last get started week. Started here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could be a busy show. Yeah. So uh, last week we mentioned uh, Toontastic 3D, the iPad app, yeah, and I think I meant to say this last week, but I never did, and that was just that Toontastic 3D is available as an Android app, which means that on some Chromebooks you are able to use this app too now, so that's kind of an interesting uh, addition that I saw um, Richard Byrne post about this, and Apparently, he had a, a bunch of people saying, hey, it doesn't work on my Chromebook. And he said, well, I said it works on some Chromebooks, <laughs> not all Chromebooks. So if you have a touchscreen uh, Chromebook and it operates with uh, apps from the Android App Store, then uh, Tuntastic 3D can work.
2: So I have a question about this, though. So Android, there will be some Android apps, though, that work not just on touchscreen Chromebooks or not? Is it just going to be like chromebooks from 2017 and on i mean how what's the what's the story on that
1: there is a list somewhere that if yeah. you google it that you will find a list of uh, chromebooks that will run it it's not just ones from 2017 onwards there right. was some from last year that started doing this but i'm told that uh, all chromebooks that are made this year will support right the oh that's Android right. Yeah. play store that's yeah. what i heard yep okay well we should talk about our ipad
0: challenge mindy
2: the iPad Challenge, Josh. Did you know we did an iPad Challenge where Wiley and I only used iPads for a week?
0: I did. I got caught up on the podcast on Friday, oh. so I did know this was coming. How did you do, Mindy?
2: Um, you know, I did. Um, I okay. Well, I'm going to start by saying that now that I've done that for a week, I've used my iPad more now than I have in the past. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I really, I first um at, bought myself a. Um, keyboard. It's rose gold, of course. And, um, I, once I kind of got, I, I could not have used my iPad without a keyboard. It just would not, it would have driven me crazy and slowed me way down. Um, I had quite a few presentations that I had to create, uh, during that week and I felt like it slowed me down there too, but I think it was just because of my learning process. Like by the end of the week, I had figured out, um, one of my big holdups was that I couldn't copy um slides very easily because within the app, you can't toggle between slide decks. So if I was trying to take a slide from one presentation and copy it, then I had to back out of it and then go back into the presentation. And then it started me at the top slides. So then I had to scroll down. So it was taking me, you know, like 45 seconds or so every time I wanted to copy a slide um, where on my laptop, I would have just had it open in a couple tabs and it would have been no big deal or whatever. Um so that really slowed me down. That was kind of frustrating to me. And the other thing, what was my other? I had a couple other things that um, kind of slowed me down. But once I, because Wiley showed me some commands that I could use um, because I had a keyboard. And uh, that was super, super helpful. Like finding commands within um, shortcuts within different apps was, it was kind of exciting. I'm like, God, oh, I did know I could do this. So that really kind of increased my effectiveness, I guess.
1: Yeah, there was things like uh, Command Tab, which is a really nice kind of app switcher one, kind of similar to what you would get on a Mac or a PC if you did Command Tab or Windows Tab. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else did we find for those? There was obviously your old, all your old Command C, Command B, Command Vs, right. Command X, all those things work well. Yep, um, yep. Command T for new tabs in Safari and... So, yeah, you can become a keyboard ninja pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, that but, was kind um, of fun. It
2: was fun to kind of explore those and see, and see, uh, you know, what the iPad had to offer that you don't realize when you're just using it as a touchpad.
1: Yeah. I mean, other things that we found harder or hard, I guess, was, I mean, this goes back to Josh's uh, comment about he doesn't want to spend his life on an 11-inch uh, Chromebook. Well, mm-hmm. I, I found it really hard just to, iPad's even smaller. It's 9.7 inches. And, yeah. I tried to do things like plug it into an external monitor just to like get a bigger picture, and that worked and that was fine. But it was kind of weird because I had to like touch the iPad, so I was looking down at the iPad, then I was looking back up at the screen, and I didn't know where to look half the time. So um, maybe a maybe a twelve point nine inch iPad would would work for me. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody says that's a huge iPad, but and it is, but it's kind of the same size as the screen on your on your laptop. But, yeah, so, right. You know.
2: Right. Yeah, and um we used PowerPoint. Both of us did that week and we are a little bit frustrated with it.
1: Yeah, it was certain links, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, we, we could
1: paste a link, but we couldn't yeah. like do the anchor text links. That wasn't that wasn't working.
2: Yeah, so we had all those ugly links on our slides which is I don't really like that because I'm a, you know, well, I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> Professionals have hyperlinks.
1: I ended up doing uh, Bitly's.
2: Oh, I did too, but still. Yeah, it's yeah, I guess so. It's not the
1: same. Um, but speaking of links, though, like, you sharing files in Google Drive?
2: Yeah, what that was, was that?
1: That was, what was that problem we had? There was, you could, sh- sharing them as anyone with the link can view, or anyone with the link can edit, you can't do that in the Yeah, iPad. just
2: within your domain.
1: Yeah, because we're in a, an apps EDU domain. Right. So you can do it if you ever logged into your Gmail account, but you can't do anyone with the link for some reason it had to be anyone with the link in your organization didn't it
2: yeah it was bizarre didn't you figure out a workaround for that though what was the workaround there was something
1: oh yeah yeah i went yeah. to safari and i had to go to desktop mode and yeah right then switch around and find it that way but yeah.
2: uh, oh you know what? we had another listener who um tried the ipad challenge
1: yes we did yeah um uh, Ben Feit sent us a few tweets on that, didn't he? He did yeah. it on an, iP- on an iPad 2, which I thought yeah. was kind of brave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not an iPad Air 2, like an iPad 2, right. which right. is a few years old now.
2: Yeah. But he's, and you had mentioned this too, that he felt like he was much more focused on his work, you know, because you don't have a gazillion tabs open and flipping back and forth and that he was much more focused on what he was supposed to be doing because that was just what was on his screen.
1: Yeah, I think that kinda of scared you when, when we started yeah. doing that, didn't it? Because yes. you know, you're used to you know, a row of tabs all along and having to work in one app at a time. And I know we could do slide over and split view and things, but even then it's not quite the same, is it?
2: No, no, not at all. But it does help you get your work done, I think, you know. If I'm not getting three thousand notifications across the, you know, top of my screen. So
1: Josh, how much of your day do you spend on an iPad?
0: I would say probably quite a bit, Um, especially more so for consumption. Um, Mm -hmm. I I actually prefer presenting on my iPad, from my iPad, because I don't have a presenter remote that I like, Mm. so I can use Keynote, but you guys mentioned it, transferring from PowerPoint or Google Slides to Keynote is not pretty, so... Like a presentation, upcoming presentation I'm working on right now, I'm having to create on my iPad, which looks nicer, I think, but takes a long time.
2: Yeah, it does. It's so time consuming.
0: And uh, to be honest, I have an iPad 2 at home. Ben, wow, that's dedication, man. (laughs) I cannot switch back. I have a, uh, what do I have? I think I have an Air 2 here and an iPad 2 at home. And, oh, it's just it's night brutal. and day difference, isn't it? Yeah. Oh man. The iPad 2
1: crawls these days.
0: Fortunately, my kids don't know any better, so they Yeah, they, right. They, <laughs> kids they, device. They they do sometimes get a little frustrated, but it still works. I mean, yeah. 5 years later or whatever it's been. So
2: Do you think it's crazy of me to kind of wish for a mouse for my iPad? Yes. Do
1: you? <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest here, I mean, it's yeah, a safe no, space, Yeah, I know. That's right? why I asked. It's a touchscreen device. I mean,
2: Yeah, um, I know. I know.
0: So we Maybe actually, it's... when my uh, grandma wanted a new computer, I don't know how long ago it was, probably five years ago now, something like that. Um, we talked her into getting an iPad. And that was one of the things my wife said as well, what about the keyboard and what about this? And yeah. it really, mm-hmm. you know, for for her, I mean, she's 80-something, I mean, she, it's more the, the hand-eye coordination of using a mouse is taken away, which is kind of nice, I think.
2: Yeah, right, sure. I just think, like, what a ninja I would be if I could do commands with my keyboard and use my mouse and still have touchscreen on top of that.
1: You're going back to your touchscreen Chromebook here, aren't you?
2: I Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I did put together a little list of uh, like the types of tasks we did just yeah, so okay. that people know that it, it was an authentic challenge that yeah, we did, right. I guess. So I don't know if you want to add to any of these to the list, Mindy, but as we kind of went through the week, I just threw these on there because we spent, we spent quite a lot of time together that week just like helping each other out with things and being yes. in the same place at the same time. I know if we don't. Always spend that much it wasn't time on together. Purpose, no. no, yeah, we try to avoid it where we can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we did email. We created yep. presentations. We gave presentations. We did blog posts and Weebly and WordPress.
2: That wasn't pretty either.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was different.
2: Yes, it was different. That is right. It was different. Yeah, for sure. It was yep. different.
1: I uh, did social media. I did social media graphics, uh, mm-hmm. screenshots. I did some photo editing. Nothing major, but mm-hmm. some little bits here and there. Uh, we use Google Docs, Drive, Sheets, and Slides. Online research. We I used Canvas on the iPad. Oh uh, yeah, an yeah. LMS. So I was uh, putting together a class for that. Um, to do lists. Obviously, social media is an easy one. Um, I had to edit a PDF at one point. Do you remember that? Yeah. I had like this 36-page PDF, and I only needed like six pages of it, but yeah. I needed some way to remove pages from a PDF, so um, I had to find PDF Expert 5 for that, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, just facilitated some PD sessions with the iPad too, so yeah. we did we did some good stuff.
2: Yeah, I think um, one of the other things I did too is like found apps that, I, I mean, I did a little bit more research. I hadn't looked at like new apps for a while. Um, just have my general list of things that I like to share and whatever. And it kind of made me go out and search for stuff that I actually had a purpose for instead of just like aimlessly wandering through the app store or blog posts or whatever. So I added a few more apps to my iPad that I think, um, you know, might be useful at some point in time or another. Uh, yeah, I, it was fun. It was fun. It was just like, it, it it wasn't a great week for me to do it, but, um, it, it showed me that I was, I was capable of it. So I mean, I, you know, I liked it. We made it work. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All
2: right, so a little bit change of a format this time, because there are quite a few um, tidbits of news and updates that we thought were important to share this week. So we're changing our format up a little bit, and... Um, the coolest thing that I came across last week was actually came from Chad Kafka, who is always at the top of my ed tech favorites. Um, and that was that now you can import drive video into Google Slides, which is awesome because Google Slides used to take your YouTube video links and that was about it. And um, I actually was sharing stop motion last week and created a little stop motion video and just saved it into my drive and then put it right into my slides. It was awesome was so excited for this. This has been a long time coming.
1: Well, there is a couple of things you can do that I didn't think they would add, but, you know, things like you can choose when the video starts and stops. You can choose whether it auto-plays or not or to mute the audio. So, yeah, it's not just putting the video in. There's some extra little... Yeah,
2: yep. They have a little extra things you can do for sure.
1: All right. Uh, also noticed that uh, YouTube Live is coming to mobile devices soon, which I thought was... Kind of an interesting thing. There's a the whole live video um, phenomenon with Periscope and uh, Facebook. Facebook, thank you, mm-hmm. is uh, very popular, and you can do it on mobile devices. It seems like uh, YouTube are kind of late to the party because they're the video people, and they're yeah, not right. doing live. Video. I mean, you can do YouTube live on a on a desktop device, but um, they are giving it to some of their high users right now. And it will filter down to the rest of us um, in 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 time, I guess. Um, You need to at the moment. You need to have over ten thousand subscribers to have access to this feature.
2: Oh, which is you, right, Wiley?
1: Which is not me. Oh. Um, but the rest of us, which is me, um, will have it. Quotation marks soon. Oh. Huh. So it's coming down the pipe.
2: That's good. All right. So um, also, we've been sharing uh, Google expeditions like crazy um, here at GWAA. And Wiley, you found this enhanced expeditions, right, that now have like pop up images within expeditions and then added video and sound, which is awesome. It was, I think, um, kind of expeditions next step is to start doing some more video and sound and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the spreadsheet and we can link to it of uh, expeditions that are on there and I saw some at the top that were labelled enhanced. Mm -hmm. So I I played with one or two of those. Um, There's one uh, for the Borneo Rainforest where scientists actually strapped these audio recorders to trees and recorded the sounds that the animals and the the birds and the monkeys and things were making. So Mm -hmm. as you are doing your tour, you hear that jungle sound in the background, which is kind of cool. And there's uh, little hotspots where you can um, have interactive videos of like uh, baby orangutans playing in a jungle gym and, and stuff like that. So I think it's nice to have that added interactivity. Josh, are you doing anything with expeditions on your iPads?
0: Um, we actually have a cart of Android tablets. Um, and the next couple of weeks, we are running our second and fourth graders through it um, for a couple different things um, just on the Android tablets. And then our AEA, which is Green Hills, um, also has three sets of Google expeditions. And so I think we're going to bring those in for our middle schoolers. They're looking to do some science stuff, but... We don't know if we're going to bring it in for the elementary because we don't want to disappoint them the next time they do it, and those aren't available. So we'll have to see. But
1: Another quick tip I came across in the last week or so was that for some unknown reason but some unknown welcome reason, Google decided to add a QR code reader to the Chrome app on iOS. Yeah. Isn't that nice?
2: Yeah, it is nice.
1: <laughs> Question mark. I feel like <laughs> Is it? anytime, anytime you can delete an app because another app that you're already using does more, then that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. So it's kind of hidden. You have to like search, you know, when you search for apps on your iPad or your iPhone, you swipe down and there's that spotlight search at the top. Mm-hmm. Well, you just type QR yeah. and then you'll see the Chrome logo and it says scan with Chrome. And then you tap it and a QR reader automatically appears. and uh, magically. Yeah, automatically appears unless you scan a QR code. Have heard that code. word
2: before? Is that a Wileyism?
1: Uh, I don't think so, but uh, maybe.
0: I've, I've heard of it.
2: You have? Huh? Yeah,
0: I don't, I can't tell you, you where I got it, it from. <laughs> yeah. It was probably a Jonathan Wiley presentation I heard it in.
2: It probably was. <laughs> 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 All right, so um, my big, second big news from the week is that um, Seesaw users around the world are screaming at the top of their lungs because Book Creator is coming to the web in the summer of 2017, and it's probably the most widely used, from what I've seen, the most widely used outside third-party app that um, imports into Seesaw that people are using, and I always feel like Chromebook users are always super sad because they can't use it. Well, their prayers have been answered, and now it's coming to the web in the summer of 17, so not too far away, and I think we're probably going to see lots of people jumping on board with Book Creator.
1: Yep, yep, great app. Mm-hmm. Um, last one on the list, I'm going to throw this just over to Josh. I'll put him on the spot. I didn't oh, tell okay. him I was going to Let's say this. It. But uh, Josh, we didn't include this in his bio at the beginning, but he's a real Flipboard aficionado. He is. And <laughs> uh, there was a new version of Flipboard that came out, Josh. Anything you want to mention on that?
0: I'm lukewarm on it. Okay. Oh. I, I'm getting better. Yeah. You know, change is hard. Um they book create so book creator is an app that I've used since the beginning and it, it is fantastic, and they've done a lot of addition and Flipboard in this case has really changed the layout and I think it's going to be for the better, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know when you're when you're used to doing it one way for probably four years now five years now, um, you know they they've changed the layout that one of the things that I am pretty excited about is they've added in smart magazines. You used to be able to create magazines that were curated, um, or like pulled from a hashtag. So like I have a a magazine in Flipboard that, um, was the, it was the GAF hashtag. And then it's, I added in the G suite EDU when they changed, but now they're, they're really focusing on some of that artificial intelligence stuff and, uh, putting stuff into magazines. So I'm pretty excited about that. Flipboard as a company is just fantastic. Um, uh, there's some great articles out over the weekend about how they came about the, to the change. And, you know, they're still not making money, which is interesting, but they are, um, they see it down the road and they see where it's coming from. And um, just a fantastic company and a completely easy to use app.
1: Josh Allen is a, a great person to follow on Flipboard for all kinds of education and technology-related things. However, I will warn you that you may see some posts oh from, from his Comfort Over Calories magazine. And, you know, I, I have to say that I have some real moments of weakness when I see those, Josh.
0: I am not a healthy eater whatsoever, and I will tell, I will admit, Jonathan, I have used very few of those. Right. Um, I really, I save them for when my wife is gone and I'm in charge of making supper, uh, uh, because most of those I cannot sneak into the kitchen with her around. She, um, she keeps me under 300 pounds. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there's all kinds of amazing like sticky buns and burger oh, recipes. You know, all good stuff. I mean, sounds. Once in a while, yeah.
2: yeah. I'm surprised you went with sticky buns. That's where that's where you're that's where you went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that was of the first the thing that, that, that popped in into there. your mind. It was the sticky buns. I, whatever, no, that's good.
1: I Keep love having there. the power of editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, I'm sure there's like burgers and yep. like cheese yep. and
0: regular cinnamon rolls.
2: That's oh, good. Sticky Sounds delicious. Buns. Yep.
0: Do sticky buns sound delicious?
2: Yeah, it's sticky buns.
1: Yep.
2: All right. So up next, main course served piping hot to you is um, open educational resources, which is why we brought on Josh today, because he is um, our expert and is going to share with us and hopefully answer all of our unanswered questions that we've been wondering about. So, Josh, start with telling us, what is OER? What does that mean?
0: OER uh, stands for Openly Licensed Educational Resources. Those are resources that are typically found online that are able to be reused and remodified. They have been given the appropriate license to have done so. Uh, Creative Commons produces a bunch of different licenses that you can uh, put on your uh, work. Um, they are not all um, computer based, so it could be uh, a paper that you print out or an activity that you print out. So they're not necessarily all um, strictly online, uh, but they are the, what they have in common is, is being free to use, uh, free to uh, recreate your own uh, content with.
1: So they're kind of almost like a free teachers pay teachers type of idea. Is that a controversial thing to say, or not really?
0: No, it's not. Um, teachers pay teachers does not always have the license to reuse. Right. And one of the things that we, one of the things that we talk with our our staff a lot about, um, is, you know, this has allowed us to have a better digital citizenship discussion with them. Just because it's online, just because you got it for free, doesn't necessarily give it uh, give you permission to reuse it and recreate. And I think that's a lot of times the way I understand it with Teachers Pay Teachers is it's kind of in the fine print that it's not for yeah. reuse. And our teachers use that stuff quite a bit. I see it a lot. Um, I'm sure all of them are abiding by the rules that uh, it's or the license that that their content has um but uh, it, it really just depends on the user
1: do you get a feeling for like i mean why why is oer becoming so so prominent now is it i mean is it just something that over time teachers have you know there, there's been that gap or that need for for low-cost resources with educational funding the way it is and things like that or is there you know other movements and things that's promoting this what do you think
0: I think a lot of it has to do with the budgets, um, but I think why the OER, because you mentioned it, we've gone online for years now to, to get content uh, to supplement our textbooks. So I think that the, the budgets have enhanced it, but I think why the OER itself has become more popular is because I think there's a bigger crackdown on teachers using copyrighted material and schools using copyrighted materials, because I don't think... Uh, content creators are as um, willing to let teachers slide on copyright infringement uh, than they were, you know, 25 years ago. Um, Created content is valuable. And as someone who creates content, I, you know, for the most part, my stuff is shared uh, where others can use it and I don't mind. Uh, but if it is something that I created, I want credit for it. I mean, i I, that's what we teach our kids, you know, take credit for what you did. Um, that doesn't mean it has to cost, but, um, I want, if you put something of mine out there, I want to, I want to know that it's there and I want people to know that I made it just like I want to, when I put something out that, you know, one of you guys made or or anyone, I want to give you guys credit for, for what you created too.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the teacher's motto used to be so much beg, borrow, steal. And like you said, for so many years, that was just okay because it was for the good of the kids. And that's just, you know, it's just not the way it is. And it's not necessarily the right mentality. I mean, I think you can find resources as much as you can, but you like you said, still need to give credit and point back to the original, you know, site and resource and give people credit for all of their hard work for sure.
0: Right. Well, and I think that the... Uh, number of people creating and putting content out is greater now. Oh, sure. So I think that um, more people want to make sure that it's their name on it. Um, and again, that doesn't always mean, you know, financial gain. But, um, you know, I think in the end it does, whether it's, you know, presented at a conference or whatever, um, you know, directing back to a website for ads. Um, I, I just think that because there are so many people out there, uh, you want to make sure that no one is trampling over your stuff.
2: Yeah. So we've been um, seeing a lot of like hashtag go open. What what does that mean? Or I mean, who who has gone open? I mean, what is that? What can you explain that a little bit to our listeners?
0: Yeah. So the uh, U.S. Department of Ed's Office of Ed Tech um, in October of 2015. Uh, started the Go Open initiative. Uh, it is an initiative that encourages uh, district, school districts and states to um, use OERs, Openly Licensed Educational Resources, instead of a textbook. Um, they had 10 initial districts um, that uh, partnered with them uh, to replace a, when, when you sign up to, to participate and go open, it's free to sign up. You commit that in, in one year, you will replace a textbook with openly licensed educational resources. Uh, there are, I believe, 19 states and over a hundred districts who have committed to that. Uh, there are four in Nebraska or four in Iowa, um, Council Bluffs Public, uh, ourselves, Lewis Central, Cedar Rapids Community Schools, um, and uh, uh, which you guys are obviously familiar with, and then United Community School District, which I believe is uh, in the Des Moines area. Um, So we're we're all the four of us are kind of all in this in the same area of uh, in the process of um, our first year as a go open district. Um, So it's it's nice. So openly licensed educational resources are available to anyone. Part of our commitment to go open is being able to have um, the federal government and other districts kind of um, not at our call, but just to kind of get in with them to see what they're doing and kind of learn from them. So it's a little, in our mind, it was a little bit more organized and hopefully we'll be able to help us move forward a little bit quicker
1: so here's something i've been uh, wondering about on that score i mean you talk about giving up a textbook i mean i think i bet there must be a lot of teachers out there that are quite nervous by that prospect you know they're throwing away that scope and sequence and all the the worksheets and everything else that comes in those kind of pre-packaged schemes so i mean how, how, how do you help people uh, on board with that kind of
0: transition there there's a lot of principals and board members that freak out about that too yeah yeah i can imagine <laughs> so because i mean some some people are going down the route of
1: like you know they're having like a digital textbook like ck12 or something and other people are just like replacing the you know the same types of units but with different you know online materials and things it's 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 a big adjustment isn't it yeah so
0: when when one of the things that you can go to the Office of EdTech's website and download a launch packet, um, and one of the things they say is when you're looking for someone to or some place to start, you look at who needs a textbook, and you know who's most willing to, who's got the the best team to go forward. You know, if especially if you're talking secondary, um, and, and where's the content at, um, but you can do a couple different things. When, when we set out to do this and we started talking with um, our district leadership team, we said, this is what we're going to do. Well, we found out that our elementary math was essentially already doing this. And they have a complete scope and sequence uh, f- that they were using from uh, the state of New York uh, to re- essentially just replace their textbook. Hmm. Okay. And uh, Georgia has the same thing. So yes, you can, uh, just do pieces of this and pieces of that. Uh, but for us, we don't have the staff to do all that. We only, I mean, our central office is one hallway and we, we can't go out. We don't have the time. Our teachers drive a lot of what the curriculum is, which I mean, really is what it should be anyway. But, um, we ourselves are looking for um, a starting point, whether it be like a CK-12, like you mentioned, which is where when our secondary teachers start asking about Go Open, that's kind of the first place I send them. Uh, but with our um, elementary math, they had already found it and we're using it. And what we're doing right now, our focus is K-1 math. Um, they are uh, taking a little bit from the state of New York and a little bit from the state of Georgia and kind of putting those two things together to kind of create our own textbook. Mm -hmm. So kind of to your point, Jonathan, it just really depends on um, your content area and uh, what it is that you want to use. Engage New York has K-12. I I don't know all the secondary math off the top of my head now that I say that out loud. Uh, I know it does go into secondary, uh, but they have math and language arts already written and aligned to the Common Core standards. So um, some of those resources are already out there. State of Utah actually had 3rd through 8th grade science um, aligned to Common Core, not to NGSS. But um, those are the places where we start. We don't necessarily go looking for each of the little pieces to put together.
2: Sure. Okay. So um, you kind of mentioned about um, that you don't have to necessarily have signed the pledge to um, use OER resources. So, And you mentioned Engage New York. Um, in the state of Georgia. But where else can you go to find some of those resources if you just kind of want to look around and see what's out there and get your feet wet a little bit?
0: Uh, OER Commons is probably, and I think it's OERcommons.org. Yeah, OERcommons.org is kind of like the the main clearinghouse right now of smaller pieces of content. Uh, If you're looking for lessons, um, Amazon has... Uh, since the beginning but said they've been working on a a platform that would be kind of like shopping on amazon for oer resources have you seen that yet josh no i have not seen it yeah
1: we. i think we've, we've mindy and i have heard about it as well but it's one of those things we've heard a lot about but not actually right. seen much of so
2: i have an amazon inspired t-shirt
0: oh you do yeah <laughs> Yes. How does that help you find uh, OER resources?
2: <laughs> it helps me remember what the name of it is. <laughs> Good because, well, I just maybe that's down. why I don't oh, yes. have
0: one. Yeah. Because I can't remember the name. <laughs> OER Commons is similar to that in, in that you can go and rank or uh, star, whatever, give a rating to uh, different OERs that are out there. Um, so those are the two, or that, that would be the main search place that is currently available. Um, CK 12 has really been doing this for a long time. Um, and I, that, that I think is, is one of the more refined places to go. Um, and then, like I said, engage New York, uh, Georgia math standards. I don't even, I, I, I believe that's what it, I, I think if you search that you'll find it, um, it is affectionately known as Georgia math around here, <laughs> um, and then like I said, Utah currently has some that are uh, aligned to Common Core. So Yeah, I really like the CK twelve stuff.
1: I I mean just because it's so like customizable, you know, you can go in there and you can you can take their textbook and if you're like, well, we don't teach this, you can like erase that chapter and then like add your own chapter and you can edit text, you can change things, you can add images, you can add text you can do whatever you want and and share it out in a format that can be digested on any device really so i mean that's that's one of my favorite ones to to go to in a way
0: and that's one thing we can't do with the ones that we're using right now uh, because they're essentially just static pdfs Um, and in k1 math we're not looking for high-tech stuff they need to be manipulating with like real objects and stuff so That's not a a big of, it's not as big of a deterrent for us at that level. I think if we were talking secondary science, we would need a lot more engaging uh, simulations and um, activities, but uh, yeah, CK-12 is pretty fantastic.
2: So, Josh, how do you um, decide and how did your teachers decide what good content is and what it's not? I mean, are you guys using a rubric of some sort or how are you actually vetting some of those lessons before you put them into the classrooms?
0: We do not use a rubric. I know that some schools do. And it's one of the questions that has been brought up is, you know, how do you ensure quality? Um, OER Commons does have one uh, that they use. Um, they are some of the resources that are put out there, they will have the rubrics included with it um, or the rubric scores uh, included with it. Um, Really for us uh, our the content that we use was chosen by teachers uh, just by using it and checking it themselves, just like they would a a regular textbook. Um, One of the things I will say though, you know, for a long time, uh, when something was free, it wasn't anything that was ever checked over by a board of education right. like you would a, you know, $750,000 textbook purchase. Mm-hmm. This has caused us to uh, maybe look a little bit more critically at that. Um, you, you have to have a, a viable curriculum in a K-12 education, educational setting. So where is the point where using free tools has to be checked over by an administrator or a curriculum department or a school board? And, you know, kind of like the the copyright piece, it's really caused us to ask a few more questions and think a little bit more critically about what we're doing and and just the process we have in place for for things like that.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because – you know it's, it's it's where do you draw the line the administrators and the board and whoever else they don't want to be reviewing stuff 24/7 but at the same time you know you have to allow teachers a modicum of professional judgment and you know this is what i think is best for my kids so this is what i'm going to use and so yeah that, that's a that's a good one to wrestle with
0: and that's a it's a hard thing to discuss with teachers because uh, you know i'm I, I've been out of the classroom for a few years, but I'm but I remember it very well. That I'm really worried about myself and my kids, mm-hmm. and I don't always want to take the time to worry about someone else's perceived problem um, right. coming in. So it's that they they've, they're fantastic and they're doing a great job. Um, it really wasn't a hard discussion with them, but that was one of the things I worried about is convincing them that yes, you may understand what it looks like, but you know, think bigger picture about other people uh, coming in to to take a look at what you're doing in math.
1: All right, so um, your district uh, is actually being kind enough to host a, a regional Go Open Summit in Council Bluffs, and that's coming up next month. Is that right?
0: Yes, we are less than a month away.
1: What kind of things can people expect from that?
0: Um a very relaxed me at the end of the day and probably (laughs) a little bit more high strung at the beginning of the day. Oh, okay. Um, No, I, I'm looking forward to it. We have um, 140 ish people uh, signed up to come. Um, It will be uh, geared towards districts. Most of the districts that are coming are ones that um, obviously have not done go open and have not signed up for it because there's not very many uh, in the Midwest that have done it. And really think about it, if there's a hundred across the the country. There's not very many in general. But um, we will have actually OER Commons will be here doing a, a presentation or two. Um, uh, Liberty uh, Missouri uh, schools will be coming up and giving a couple of presentations. They were one of the original. Um, Go Open Districts, so it'd be great to have them. Um, uh, myself uh, and one of our uh, librarians, Lynn Kleinmeier, uh, who does a lot of Future Ready uh, talks, uh, will be giving a few presentations uh, along with uh, Council Plus Public Schools. So, attendees are going to get to hear from people who have been doing it uh, for a little while uh, to see if it's something that they would be interested in. Um, I know that we have a large group from uh, Cedar Rapids that's coming over, which is great. Um, So I think it's just going to be a a time for districts to be able to get together and pick the brain of the person next to them and kind of learn together about um, where OER and Go Open fits uh, in their school district.
1: Is registration still open? Can people still uh, sign up to come visit?
0: It's free, so registration is open uh, the day of. Uh, I would like to have people register. We are uh, still working on getting lunch paid for. Um, I know I have two emails in my inbox regarding that right now, but uh, hopefully I'll get to that later today. But um, that's kind of the only reason we need people to register, uh, just so we can get a head count for lunch and hopefully uh, get that out there to people.
2: It's March 3rd, right, Josh?
0: Yeah, Friday, March 3rd. Yep. Yep.
1: All right, well uh, anything else we missed on on OER and go open anything else we should uh, remember to check out or, or take note of?
0: I don't think so. I, I think it's, it is it's what you want it to be And one of the things that we've been very clear about um, we, we were very intentional about who we talked to and the order in which we talked to people just to make sure that and, and I did all the presentations just to make sure we had the same consistent message in that this is not a district wide initiative. This is not saying we're never going to purchase another textbook. We may have a group. Oh, well right now a great example is our Spanish uh, teachers want a new textbook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we talked with them about go open. Um, if they had to decide today, they would probably purchase a textbook because there's not content available for them. So um, it, it, signing up for go open means you're committing to only replacing one textbook so it, it's it's not have to be a it doesn't have to be a huge district change uh, you can do it slowly um, and, and implement it over time
1: It's good advice
0: and I'm always happy to answer questions so email me find me on Twitter all that
1: can't say fairer than that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, on to my favorite part of the show, which is Tech Nuggets. Nuggety, nuggety, nuggety. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Wiley, you're up. What you got?
1: Well, I got something that I meant to talk about last week, and it's going to be short and sweet. But uh, one of the websites that we are fond of is uh, pixabay.com.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, I guess going back to that whole uh, open resource type of deal here, um, it's a site that includes images and videos that are all tagged with the CC0, Creative Commons 0, um, attribution. So you can use those images and videos for basically anything that you want to use them for. And you technically don't even need to give attribution for those things, but uh, it's always good digital citizenship practice to, to do that kind of thing. Anyway, Pixabay have uh, released an iPad app so um, in the past we used to, we had to go to the Pixabay website to download images and the worst part of that was that there was invariably like a captcha box or something that popped up and you had to type in all these little letters and strange symbols and things. And now it saves it straight to your camera roll and you've got it. You can use it in green screen. You can use it in digital storytelling. You can use it for whatever else you want to use those things for. So the Pixabay iPad app, it's free and available for iOS.
2: All right. Um, Mine... Is uh well of course this is C cell related. So um I came across Recite, which I think Wiley you had said that you had seen before. So it's obviously not a new tool, but it was new new to me. And it's just resight.com and uh you don't have to have a login or anything that like that, which I love. And uh you just type something into a text box and then you choose a background and it makes like a fast little meme for you, which is really nice. You can download it. You can share it on Facebook. You can share it on Twitter. Um, It also gives you a link, so you can share it that way as well. And it's just kind of a fun way to, like, write an inspirational quote or um, a student thought or something like that to either smash into something else or uh, just to share out on social media. So I really liked it a lot. It was really user-friendly. I think any age level could use it. Um, So yeah, I think that's a good one.
1: Yeah, that is a good one for sure. Um, my second pick this week is kind of a follow-up from last week as well. I talked about uh, ReadWorks Digital.
2: Which was huge. People love that.
1: People did like that, yeah. Yeah, Um, Got some good feedback on that. Um, All those digital texts with comprehension-based questions that are aligned to uh, curriculum standards and so forth. So I have a a similar one to that, and this one's for slightly older uh, age group. Readwork Digitals for K twelve. This one goes five through twelve on the grade level span, but it might just have some additional variety for you in terms of texts and things that you want to look at. The site is called commonlit.org and also 100% free Uh, one of the things that make this stand out from some of the other um, tools that are out there is they partnered up with um, I'm trying to think what this company is called TextHelp they're the people that made uh, Read read and Write for Google Mm -hmm. you know that extension so they give you a bunch of little tools that you can use on the text as well so you can look up words in a dictionary Uh, you can have the text read aloud You can translate the text into different languages. You can highlight the text. They've also got some uh, guiding questions, kind of similar to something like Edpuzzle, where um, you watch a bit of the video and then it gives you a question. Then you watch Mm -hmm. a bit more of the video and gives you a question. Well, they do the same with a comprehension text. And you can turn that on and off if you want. They've got assessment questions on there and um, even discussion questions for Mm -hmm. the teacher to look at whole class. So they've got some really good stuff going on there and um, the teacher dashboard area where it collects all the data on the students is really nice too. It's very visual. It's got like really nice charts and graphs that are all colour coordinated and things. So definitely worth a look if you are um, thinking about uh, more resources for your students. I mean, maybe you don't want to use ReadWorks and CommonLit side by side, but, you know, throw them up against each other for a comparison and see which ones has the types of text that you think you want your students to use.
2: Kind of reminds me of Actively Learn. Would you say it's kind of the same sort of family of tech tools?
1: Definitely in the same sort of family. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we could get Gina back sometime and yeah. uh, give us her give us her opinion on this.
2: Could have a smackdown? Yeah, we could. We could. Um, so my other one is um, something that um, I came across called Share Alike. and. Um, when I shared it with Wiley, he was a little lukewarm about it. But um, so Sharealike is a virtual reality um, creation tool of sorts. It's kind of a uh, different look to it. And um, it has some examples, which as we look through, maybe all of them weren't necessarily what you'd be showing your students in class. But what I thought was neat about it is that you can create um, within the app and with your device in the viewfinder, so um, it pulls in all of your photos from your camera roll, and by staring at or focusing on different photos, it will select those photos for you. And um, it kind of defaults into um, a background video, and then the photos kind of stream in front of you, like uh, like kind of on a, like a conveyor belt. And it's not necessarily like this high tech virtual reality um, creation tool, I wouldn't say, but I think it is maybe like an entry level tool for those people that are looking to kind of get their students started on virtual reality, but don't really know where to start or how to make it work. Um, You do have to use it inside a viewfinder. It doesn't work. um, It doesn't have, I don't know, what do you call the view that's not in viewfinder? where it's just like the straight screen. I don't know if that has a name or not, but um, it doesn't give you that. It gives you only the binocular view of it. Um, I don't know. It was kind of different to me. I um, played with it with my kids and they thought it was awesome to be able to see themselves. Um, I just used their pictures and had just this little um, show just with them individually. And they thought it was really neat to see themselves kind of in this virtual reality world. Uh, So I think it's worth at least taking a look at um, and seeing if you have a use for it. that oh, was kind of fun.
1: Josh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, it looks like you may have written something in the doc here. As our anonymous armadillo, would you like to uh, share something?
0: Um, so I used to, I, I still am a big fan of the website, if this than that, iftt.com for automating different things. Um, basically, if this and that takes a lot of different web tools and allows them to talk to each other. A little bit easier so like anytime our school district instagram account has a new post it automatically goes to the facebook page and to the twitter account to post as a, a regular embedded twitter image so i love this if this and that for that purpose
2: mm-hmm.
0: what i learned about this summer is an app called workflow have you guys discussed this
2: no
1: we have not but i also sat in in that session with uh, Clay? Was it? On yes. Workflow? Yeah. So
0: Clay's the one who, um, told me about this workflow app. Um, and I have another, uh, good friend, Matt Lee, who's, um, actually on the of board with me. Um, they use it way more than what I do. It is, it is not a novice user app. It is a, um, uh, you, you can make it so it is a very high level user. Uh, But it's doing stuff directly on your device. It's not as much connecting uh, links together or connecting services together. And I believe it's iOS only. Um, But what it can do is you set up these different workflows so that when you push a button, something happens. And so you guys mentioned earlier about the QR code in Chrome. Well, I have a workflow to scan a QR code uh, with the workflow app that brings up my camera and then opens it up in Safari. Um, there's another one that I have set up, uh, that I can, you know, it automatically calls my wife and, and these are, they can show up like if you 3d touch the button or in the widget, uh, view of your, uh, iPhone. Uh, so it's one less step than having to go find your phone app and then do your favorites. You could also ask Siri, I guess, but, um, you can also press a button and it'll give you directions to your house. So if you're, you know, at a random place or you're trying to, for me, a lot of times it's finding the quickest way home, uh, living in a somewhat major metropolitan area. And really, let's be honest, not liking, liking to wait in traffic. Um, I can push that and it opens up Apple maps with the quickest way to get home. So, Ooh, nice. um, there's, uh, another one that I have that will, um, automatically text, Someone In my case, it's my wife, um, how long it's going to be until I get home, Uh, you know, depending on what's going on. Um, There's stuff for music. There's stuff for pictures. Um, I probably I I believe it's five dollars and I definitely don't use it to its fullest extent, but it is a it's an extremely powerful app.
1: Yeah, it's one of those apps that I have sitting on my iPad and my phone and I'm it's in my kind of like my get to later type of list of apps over there. But um, I need to spend more time on it because um, they give you a lot more ability to customize and do more things than, than Apple lets you do. But Workflow really gives you a lot of those customization options and lets you automate a whole bunch of stuff that you just couldn't do otherwise. So, yeah, that's a great a great share, Josh.
2: All right, Wiley. Well, um, I believe you've created the little portion of their show that's just for you, right? Which is your Wiley's podcast picks.
1: <laughs> Wiley's podcast picks.
2: Yeah, did you come up with your own special effects or what?
1: I feel like I should put some little music in there oh, or something. I'm sure you will. Sound effects I'm sure you or will. yeah. 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 I'll finish with these very quickly. Um, I feel like everybody should have a ten-minute podcast on their podcast player because there. I find that there's always times that you know I'm listening to something in the car or somewhere else and it stops and I've got like ten minutes more to go. And so I just wanted to recommend a couple of quick ten-minute podcasts, okay. as well as you know this one, and as well as Dad's and Ed. So once you're done with both of those podcasts, you've got you're that spare ten minutes. Well, you might be, that's for sure, yeah.
0: You've used <laughs> up your whole night.
1: <laughs> I know, there you go. <laughs> well, we like to space ours out to get people more time to listen to it. But, sure. Um, yeah. So one I came across recently was the 10-Minute Teacher Show with Vicki Davis, um, who is Cat Teacher on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen a lot of her stuff around there. It's short, it's to the point, and she just picks like uh, a really nice uh, quick topic for... Um, for teachers to listen to. So sometimes they talk about podcasting, sometimes they talk about uh, different apps, Makerspaces or different things. And they just, you know, there's one on recently with Sylvia Duckworth on sketchnoting and stuff like that. So uh, you get 10 minutes and it just, it's a quick, easy episode to to listen to and to fit into your day somewhere and learn something new. The other one I had was really not educational at all, but it's a quick 10 minute podcast. It's called The Way I Heard It with Mike Rowe. I love Mike Rowe. I know. He's, he's got a great voice for podcasting. He's yeah. got a much better voice for podcasting than I do. But he does all those voiceovers for Deadliest Catch and yep. all those discovery shows and Dirty Jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So what he does each episode is he takes the story of a famous person... And he gives you, you know, the the story that you won't have heard, and it's like the story of what it was like for them growing up, or what it was like for them and their, you know, when they before they were famous and things like that. And he doesn't tell you who the person is until the very end of the episode. Oh, so he he talks about um all the things, and they're always great stories. And you think, who is this person? And at the end, you're like. What? No way. Is that that person? So, I mean, I could give you some examples of who it is, but Spoiler I don't want to spoil alert. it yeah. for you. Right. I know, right. because that's, that's the whole part of the show. And it really keeps you engaged and listening to the podcast because the whole time you're thinking, who is this famous sports person or music star or actor or whoever? Because you will have heard of them all, but um, you won't have heard this side of their story before.
2: And all in 10 minutes?
1: All in 10 minutes or less. Nice. Yeah.
2: Well, Josh Allen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about OER and hanging out with us for a little bit. It was a pleasure to have you.
0: Oh, I it is uh, great to be with you guys. I love listening to the podcast and uh, so fun to be a part of it today. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. And so if you want to hear more with Josh, make sure you check out his Dads and Ed podcast. It's awesome. They always talk about sports. So if you love that, you should definitely check that part out too. And- <laughs> There's a great episode with this guy called Jonathan
1: Wiley on it. And uh, if you look through the back catalog, you'll find that one.
0: It's the best accent we've ever had on the show.
2: (laughs) It's the only accent you've ever had.
0: That makes it the best, Mindy.
2: Okay, fine.
0: If you enjoyed our podcast,
1: uh, we'd love it if you shared it with other people on social media or with colleagues who are looking for new ways to learn about technology in the classroom. we got links to listen and subscribe on any device on our website at dlgwaea.org forward slash podcast.
2: Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. I'm Team Kearney and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at DLGWAEA. You can also use the hashtag edtech to tag the show or send us an email to podcast at gwaea.org
1: so until next time
2: this has been the EdTech Takeout we hope it hit the spot
0: for more information on today's episode please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast